Welcome to Center Ice, the Hockey Alberta podcast, home to all things hockey in our great province. Now, here's your host, Ted Emmett. All right, here we go. Episode 7 of the Center Ice podcast. Welcome back and thanks for listening once again. I'm your host, Ted Emmett. Happy to be back for another episode. This one is centered on Black History Month, which of course runs all through the month of February. We have two fantastic guests on the show today, former Team Alberta U18 female athlete Cassandra Vilgrain and legendary goaltender Grant Fear, who I don't need to tell you, but he is one of the greatest goaltenders of all time, but also really was a trailblazer for for hockey players of color and, and broke a lot of barriers there as well so really excited to play both of those interviews for you later on in the show but first elephant in the room as there always is in these times that we're living in it's been a crazy few weeks between episodes and you can almost guarantee that between the time I'm saying this I think I feel like I say this every episode but between the time I'm saying this and the time you hear it it's very likely that again the landscape of hockey and sports and really life in Alberta could have changed again but just to recap after the sudden Saturday morning announcement by the government minor hockey Uh, and all team sports are once again permitted in Alberta but as you may know it's practices only no games with a maximum of 10 skaters and that includes coaches it's a step forward and more details are highlighted in Hockey Alberta's Hockey's Path Forward which you can find on HockeyAlberta.ca so all the information is there rather than me spewing it out to you so since so much can change so quickly to quote international hero Forrest Gump that's all I have to say about that Before we get to our first guest, as I said off the top, February is Black History Month and we, along with Hockey Canada and all the branches across the country, are celebrating the amazing athletes in our game who have stood up in the face of adversity and discrimination and have found success both on and off the ice. To kick off the month, our own Brad Lyon wrote a fantastic story about John Utendale, a hockey player from Edmonton who actually was the first black player to sign an NHL deal, uh, which he did with the Detroit Red Wings back in 19. 1955, three years before Willie O'Ree broke the NHL's color barrier with the Boston Bruins in 1958. And although he never played a game with the Red Wings or in the NHL, it's an amazing accomplishment and, and pretty incredible to find out that it was someone from right here in Alberta who holds that distinction. I can honestly say I didn't know that until a few weeks ago. So good on Brad for finding that story and for doing such a great job of telling it. I highly suggest you head to hockeyalberta.ca to read that one. Now to get to our first guest, who was also just recently featured by Hockey Alberta and Hockey Canada for Black History Month. And with us now is a former two-time member of the Team Alberta U18 female squad, Cassandra Vilgrain. She suited up for Team Alberta at the U18 National Championships in 2011 and 12, then went on to play three seasons in the NCAA for the University of New Hampshire before transferring to the University of British Columbia to play for the Thunderbirds and complete her education. From there, she traveled to Sweden to play a season in the SDHL, which I'm not going to say the the name of that league in in the native language, but the the Swedish Women's Hockey League. Um, And then after the season overseas, she's back in Alberta now, living and working in Calgary. So Cass, thanks a lot for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And first off, as we always do, you know, I I went through your bio, just kind of only scratched the surface though. So can you expand on that a little bit and, and take us through your hockey journey coming up, basically playing minor hockey in Alberta to where you are now? 
I've lived in uh, Calgary for most of my life. Um, I didn't start playing hockey till I was about seven. Um, I started in 2002, the year that the women's national team won gold at the Olympics. I think a lot of girls started then as well. So just grew up playing uh, minor hockey in, in within uh, girls hockey Calgary. Um, and then I went on in high school to play for the edge school for athletes. I play, played there for two years before um, getting a full ride scholarship down in uh, the University of New Hampshire, where I attended for three years. And then, of course, on to UBC from there to finish my undergrad degree. But growing up playing hockey in Calgary was a great experience. And in Alberta, especially, so it's such a hockey community. And my dad, uh, being a former player as well, got to coach me growing up, which was great. Um, and then obviously entering into the Team Alberta program from, you know, Alberta Winter Games up through the U18, U16, U18 program um, was a great program for my uh, overall development as a hockey player. Sticking with the Team Alberta theme, you've taken the time in recent years to come back, uh, speak to aspiring female athletes about about your time, uh, even as recent as, as this past weekend with Female Hockey Day. Uh, how important was that Team Alberta program and the process to your development, both as a player, but really as a person too, which I know Team Alberta focuses on a lot? I think Team Alberta really prides itself on a high compete level and a high level of play and usually entering that program as a minor hockey player. It's the first time that you're really faced with some adversity and uh, you kind of get to see what level of play you need to be able to go on to this to post-secondary school and even further than that. So as a player, just my overall tempo of my game, the skill development sessions were top-notch and I really feel like I came out a better player with that um, overall compete level. Also, what Team Alberta takes pride in is also um, the dedication off the ice. And that's just not off ice physicality or anything like that. But it's also that mental skill side of the game, that mental toughness. I think that really helped translate into going into university on your own. You're balancing school, you're balancing hockey. There's a lot of things that go into that. So Team Alberta definitely prepared me for that and made me a tougher player, both mentally and uh, physically. And you come by your talent, honestly, as you mentioned, your father, Claude, he played 89 games in the NHL for New Jersey, Vancouver, and Philadelphia. So really, how big of an influence was he on your decision to start playing hockey and really your, your whole hockey journey? Yeah, I mean, I got the experience to watch my dad a little bit growing up. He retired in about 2001 um, from playing in Europe. And as a family, we got to play over there. But quite honestly, he wasn't really the one that brought up the idea of playing hockey. It was it was my idea. And he was kind of like, oh, OK, well, <laughs> I guess we're doing that. And um, there was no coach for my first team. So he ended up coaching me. And I tried throughout my hockey career to really mimic him in the sense of humility and work ethic. And I think that a lot of things that I take pride in in my own game have been instilled in me from my dad and, and his coaching and just watching him day to day on the ice, off the ice, everything like that. So I think he played a big part in me as a player, as a person. And just like your dad, you went and played hockey overseas as well. Can you tell us a little bit about first what went into the decision to do that and then just a little bit about the experience? Because I know it's a pretty unique experience that not a a lot of people really get to experience growing up you always want to go to the next level and for me at that point at the end of my university career my options were you know to play professionally in some capacity and I, I wanted to at least get one year of that in I'm really passionate about travel and everything like that as well so I thought why, why not a better opportunity than to go to the SDHL which is one of the high, higher level women's leagues in the world, um, which was an awesome experience. And to follow my dad's footsteps also was amazing because he also, he he had gotten to play in the city that I actually played in when he was over in Europe and playing with Team Canada. So yeah, it was a great experience. Sweden is an amazing country. 
it's kind of easy to, to get into the groove of things there because English is such a prominent language there and everybody speaks it. Um, but the level of play was the best hockey I ever had. I would say that it was, it was one year, but I'm so happy I did it. And I would, I would definitely suggest to anybody if you're going to try and go pro to, you know, go overseas at least one or two years. Yeah. I mean, obviously I've never even had a sniff at professional hockey, but I know talking to people who go to Europe, a really amazing experience. And, you know, I think it's awesome to hear people get to do that. And and when we talk about experiences, it's no secret. There's a lot to be gained from the game of hockey. Obviously you can play it at a high level, make some money doing it, be a professional, but there's a lot of uh, other life lessons and things you could take out of it as well. Experiences like, as you mentioned, getting a a free education. So for the the aspiring athletes out there, can you talk a bit about making sure you you take advantage of uh, all those opportunities that hockey has to offer outside of just playing professionally. I know when you first start playing hockey, especially as a girl, you want to, you want to play for the Olympics and you want to get to team Canada and that's the goal and that's the focus. Um, but there's so many stepping stones along the way. So putting your education first as a female hockey player is so important. I think that aspect going into your decision of where you want to play post-secondary is very important. I remember they always used to say, like, if you broke your leg and you could never play hockey again, would you want to be at this school in this program that you're in right now? And that's something that I kind of wish going back that I initially made the decision. I, I loved the schools, both schools that I went to, both great programs that I was in there. But there's certain things that you just have to consider before making those decisions. And then, of course, sometimes as a female hockey player, you think that uh, after you're done university, it's the end of the, end of the road. But I don't think that it, there are actually a lot of opportunities for women in sport. And that doesn't mean just playing either. That means getting back into coaching and giving back. We always need more female um, influences and female coaches out there as well. So I would say take advantage of the experience that you have going through hockey and going through university and use it either to continue playing somewhere or using your experience to, you know, give back to youth or other types of programs. And and great advice there. And that's obviously why, uh, you know, you're always brought back to to talk to all the up and coming athletes and using a a bit of what you said to shift gears now, again, with hockey, it's a widely recognized and more and more everyone's becoming aware that hockey is, it's a, not only can be a white dominated sport, but also can be viewed as male dominated. So as we move forward, there's a lot of work being done to change that. Um, There's still a long way to go. So, you know, uh, from your end coming up playing hockey up until now, even, uh, you know, did you, what kind of discrimination? of any type did you kind of have to push through to get to where you got to in hockey? To start off, I think I had a very privileged upbringing and I was very fortunate to be in the community that I lived in and play for the teams I did. You know, growing up, hearing my dad's experiences from a very young age, he faced a lot of racism and I got to hear those stories from a young age. So I also was able to, you know, recognize when something just didn't feel right for myself uh, playing. But I remember my first instance of racism, I was about seven years old and one of the girls in the line actually used the N-word when she was shaking my hand. And of course, I'm seven years old. I have no idea what that word means. And I have to go ask my dad, dad, what does this mean? And so that's the first time that I kind of experienced it. Um, And then throughout playing, um, I wouldn't say that there was blatant discrimination or I don't feel like I was targeted in any way, but there's always those little microaggressions or girls pointing out your skin color as if it's supposed to insult you. And just like, you know, when you're chirping back and forth on the ice, that seemed to be a go-to a lot for me that I, I was a minority in some way, like that was supposed to bring me down. 
but yeah, going through like you're as a minority and usually the only minority on your hockey team, you're kind of expected to fit into a certain stereotype. And I knew that going into teams that I was supposed to be, you know, the, <laughs> I'm supposed to be good at dancing and all these different things. And it's not even that it's offensive or that it's discrimination, but you do get painted in a certain way. And that's something that I've had to overcome, not just in hockey, but just in my day-to-day interactions and my friendships and different relationships that I, I had. So I would say that I've been pretty lucky in regards to that there's been no explicit racism or discrimination, but there has definitely been those comments over the course of my career that I do get on a yearly basis that can be defeating, but I mean, hearing the stories of my dad and what he had to go through and for people like me and black players you see in professional hockey now paving the way so that we don't have to face as harsh as criticism or discrimination. Well, I think one thing I've I've learned as has gone on is is the term unconscious bias, as you mentioned too, being being painted in a, in a, a certain light. Really, even a lot of people, it's kind of I hate using the term locker room talk, but for you, you know, grow, is that kind of not what happened too? And people would say it, not even necessarily knowing that they're they're saying anything wrong. So I think that's an important thing too for people to remember. And, and it starts at home. Is is yeah, you got to you got to get rid of unconscious bias first and foremost. Yeah, absolutely. And that unconscious bias is so present. I think it's important to realize that, yes, recognizing that you have unconscious bias, but how hard is it to really undo that sort of thing? So it is a kind of an everyday journey and it's it's about being mindful. Like it doesn't go away just after you've been like, oh, I've, I've been a perpetrator of this before, so I need to do something about it. It's that constant education. Um, and I think that it just needs to continue and continue and continue or else, you know, subconscious bias will like it, it stays, it stays for a long time. And that's why we appreciate more and more people sharing their story with us or, or sharing their story on really any platform. And for you, uh, as I alluded to earlier, you've been great at making yourself available to come back, uh, Hockey Alberta events, Female Hockey Day, Team Alberta camps, anything like that to talk to young aspiring female athletes. So obviously, again, no secret too that sometimes the, the path to success can be a little more difficult for female hockey players. Uh, sometimes it can be wrongfully referred to as inferior to men's hockey. So for you, how important is it to be that role? model and let young female athletes know uh, really how far hockey can take them. Yeah, I think what was important for me coming back is that I just get to be an example of what can happen in your hockey career. And yes, we've always had to push past that misogyny and everything like that. I mean, if you look at any any big hockey blog or entity that posts something about women's hockey, if you go into those comments it really makes your blood boil because it's automatic. Like, Oh, I know a bunch of guys that can do that. Or guys hockey is, is way higher level. Why are we posting stuff like this? But we know how good our sport is. We know how high level that our sport can get. And I think that girls just need to know that and they need to see it more. And my first experience coming back to team Alberta was in the capacity of U16, the U16 development camp in 2019. And it just, it kind of re-inspired me to see how good these girls are getting and how hard they compete and to be able to share some of my knowledge with them and show them a thing or two, just not on the ice, but off the ice. And it makes me realize that girls just need, need role models and need more women back in the sport uh, to give back, to be able to see that like, hey, this could be me. So I think representation is so important. And lastly, I think this is a good note to end on when you mentioned to even going into blogs, reading comments and stuff. Obviously, the internet is a, can be a, a pretty dark place. I always equate it to to writing on the bathroom wall, but you know, it, it's out there, people see it and it can be discouraging. So what would your advice be to, to young female athletes just to push through all of that, to ignore the chatter and really just set your goals high? 
Yeah, I think it's all about balance as well. Um, you don't want to be on social media all the time seeing all this stuff because as much as you, you're you mentally fit enough to uh, shove off some of these horrible things that people are saying online, you still need to take care of yourself. And that means stepping away from it, right? Um, but also leaning on other women in hockey, um, I think is really important. I think I always find that whenever I'm facing an issue or a conflict or something, just having conversation really helps you to feel a lot better and to create optimism and, you know, seeing different perspectives that, and then you realize, okay, not everybody thinks this way and not everybody feels this way. And just having confidence that you, you love the sport of women's hockey. And that's what it comes back down to is that you have confidence that you can be successful within this sport. And it's a high level, fun sport to watch. I mean, it shouldn't be every four years that we see the women in the Olympics and everybody gets so excited about it. Like that should be a, that should be an everyday thing. Like women's hockey should have that exposure. So I think it's just, you know, having faith in the game and working to grow it is, is the only thing that you can really do and just shut out. I want to be like, shut out the haters, but that's exactly what you have to do because there's always going to be people that are against it. There's always going to be misogynist. There's always going to be racist, but um, you're in control. And that's amazing advice and a great note to end on. And we will let you go, but we really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to us. And of course, all the times you've come back and, and shared your story with everyone. I think you're not only a, a great Alberta success story, but a really great role model for, for young aspiring hockey players. So we appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and I'm sure we'll uh, cross paths again very soon. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. And a big thank you again to Cass Vilgrain. A really great story there and some fantastic advice for young aspiring athletes everywhere. We're very lucky to, to not only call her Albertan, but also to have her come back to a lot of Team Alberta and Hockey Alberta events and speak to our athletes and share her experiences. And with that, we're about halfway through this episode, which means it's time to take a look at what else has been going on around the province. So here's what you need to know. As I already mentioned, lots of changes once again to the landscape of hockey in Alberta as the COVID-19 pandemic rolls on. So make sure you head to hockeyalberta.ca to make sure you're up to date with all the latest information. So I guess before that wasn't all I have to say about that, but this time it is. Uh, but again, make sure you're, you're going to our website often and staying up to date on the latest information. And Hockey Alberta's 2021 Female Hockey Day, which was held virtually for the first time, was a huge success. So big shout out to the organizing committee here at Hockey Alberta who put together a fantastic event despite the obstacles and challenges they were facing and a lot of uncertainty as well. And also, of course, thank you to the amazing speakers who took the time uh, to run a session, to, to hop on Zoom and, and talk to all of our participants. And of course, thank you to the participants from all around the province. It was a, a great day. Lots of great sessions there, which are all now available for viewing. So if you didn't make it for Female Hockey Day or you just want to watch a, a session or two again, you can head to Hockey Alberta's YouTube page and find all of those there. The Alberta Elite Hockey League has started a new feature, AEHL Rinkside, featuring video interviews with players and coaches from around the league. January featured Lloydminster Bobcat and Vancouver Giants draft pick Mazden Leslie and ACU 16 AAA Avalanche head coach Terry Sidorik. You can head to AEHL.ca or Hockey Alberta's YouTube page to check those out and keep your eyes open for a couple more interviews in February with Red Deer Optimist Chief Caden Ellardson, who was the first ever signing by the AJHL's newest franchise, the Black Falls Bulldogs, and KCU15 AAA Squires head coach Stephen Iwaskiw. A lot of, lot of hard words there, but I got his name right. 
Uh, that's about it. Not a whole lot else going on around in the province right now other than the obvious. So that's what you need to know. With us now is not only one of the top athletes to ever come out of Alberta, but also one of the most successful and decorated goaltenders of all time. He has five Stanley Cup rings to his name, all from his 10 seasons with the Edmonton Oilers, six All-Star Game appearances, a Vesna Trophy, and he's a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame, Alberta Sports Hall of Fame, and most recently, the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame. But more importantly, he's broken a number of barriers in the National Hockey League and in sport in general. It's legendary goaltender Grant Fear. Uh, Grant, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. And really only scratch the surface of what you've accomplished in your life, both on and off the ice. Uh, let's start at the beginning, though. Uh, what I think is really cool is that not only are you from Alberta and grew up playing in Alberta, but you had the opportunity to play for both Alberta NHL teams uh, in the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames. And you're one of those rare, rare athletes that can be beloved by both a Flames and an Oilers fan. Can you talk a bit about your roots uh, growing up playing in Alberta and how that led to your, your future success? You know what? I was pretty lucky growing up in Alberta. I mean, I grew up just outside Edmonton in Spruce Grove and was able to play most of my minor hockey there. Snuck over to Enoch to play for, oh, probably about a year and a half, maybe two years there. So, yeah, I mean, I get to play in a system where at that time you could play different age levels. So that was the great thing about it. And it made a big difference in my development as a kid. And hockey's taken you places where, where very few have been able to go. What experiences have you taken out of playing hockey, both you know from your grassroots days and then to, to playing at a high level and in the National Hockey League? You know what? I think all levels have one common denominator. It's the great people that you meet in the game. I think that's the biggest thing. And I've been very fortunate. I've still got a lot of the same friends I had from the time I was five, six years old, all the way through minor hockey. I still have a lot of the same friends through junior hockey into the NHL. And I feel pretty fortunate that way that that's the one thing about hockey is you have a family wherever you go. It's People don't realize how small the hockey community really is. And to tie now back to your Alberta roots, your accomplishments have been heavily celebrated across the province, you know, with your induction into both the Alberta Sport Hall of Fame and the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, you had an arena named after you in your hometown of, of Spruce Grove, um, you know, and you've had many other celebrations of your success. And on top of that, not only do you have five Stanley Cups to your name, but you got to do that just a stone's throw from, from where you grew up playing for your hometown team. So how much does it mean to you to be able to, to celebrate those accomplishments again in Alberta, really where it all started? You know what? The really cool part for me is I got to do it in front of family and friends. I think that's the biggest thing is... They were there when I was playing minor hockey. They were there to support me through. I mean, I moved away to play junior out to Victoria. To be able to move back home to turn pro was phenomenal. And the fact to play on a great hockey team that had so much success and to be able to do it in front of friends and family, I think it's every kid's dream. I mean, I just lucky enough that I was the one that was able to live it. And now in retirement, you know, you've taken your love of golf and turned turn that into a huge part of your life. Uh, can you maybe talk a bit about that side of your career? Obviously, you know, the multi-sport athlete aspect of it too, but um, now how that side of your career has evolved since you last stepped on the ice. You know what? I've always enjoyed golf, but even as a kid, I was a multi-sport athlete. I played baseball and football while I was playing hockey. And right up until about my fourth year in the NHL, I was still playing baseball until it got overruled by Glenn Sather. But at the same time, I'm a big believer in multi-sport athletes. So I think it makes you a more rounded athlete. And as I played hockey, I took a love of golf. And I think the reason I fell in love with golf is the psychology side of it, where it's a hard game. And I think that's the great part about it, but it's also a very relaxing game. 
yeah, I managed to try and play a few pro events and I still fiddle around with the game because it's the one game in the world that you can't master. Well, I think it says something about uh, your skill level when it comes to golf versus mine. I don't know if I'd ever call it relaxing, but uh, I know we've, we've seen you on your course and a, a pretty good golfer too. So I think it's it's pretty cool that you want, you know, after you stepped off the ice that you've turned golf into to such a big part of your life. And, you know, being now uh, living, um, you know, down south, uh, how much of your life is still tied to Alberta? You know, you, you do come back all the time for a lot of events and probably have, have family and friends in the area. I still got most of my family and friends up there. So I enjoy coming home. I mean, with COVID, it's been a little bit tough. I don't think I've been back in the last year. So that part's been a little bit disappointing. But as soon as we get the borders open again and they seem to get the world under a little more control, I'll be back home. I mean, I enjoy going home. I enjoy going back to Spruce Grove. I still make my annual trip to Jack's Drive-In. I missed that this year. I haven't had my licorice milkshake that I've had ever since I was a kid. So I still like getting back for that. And now when we're talking about the success of your career, as, as it often is, success can be met with many roadblocks and personal challenges. Um, uh, uh, many of those you were very open with, both in your biography, Grant Fear, the story of a hockey legend, uh, and also in the, the film Making Coco. Uh, so it's pretty incredible to see someone, you know, endure so many roadblocks and still have the success that you did. So really, uh, what helped drive you through all those difficult times in your, in your life, both uh, really, and especially when we're talking about hockey, uh, how did the sport help you through that you know life doesn't come with an operator's manual so there's trial and error and along the way I made a few errors but the one thing I could always fall back on was hockey I mean as a kid was I a great student in school no but the one thing I could always fall back on was hockey and it's the one love of my life that's never left and I still sit and watch hockey every night so everything that goes on in life happens for a reason and yeah I went through some pitfalls but at the same time, it made me a better person. And I think the game of hockey's made me a better person. And as I alluded to earlier, you 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 hold a number of NHL records as a goaltender, trailblazer for people of color and minorities in, in hockey. You were the first black goaltender to play in the NHL, to win the Vesna and William M. Jennings Trophy, uh, the first black player to win the Stanley Cup and be elected into the Hockey Hall of Fame, uh, and the first black goaltending coach in the NHL when you were hired by the Arizona Coyotes uh, in 2005. So all are, are really incredible accomplishments and have paved the way for equality and change in the sport. Uh, then when you look back to the, I guess, the 20 plus year gap between uh, all of those accomplishments and Willie O'Ree becoming the first black player in the NHL, you know, what does that say about the adversity that all minorities have and, and unfortunately are continually facing to overcome in the game of hockey? Unfortunately, that's the way the game of hockey has been a little bit. I mean, I was fortunate enough that my parents were able to give me the opportunity to play the game. And I think that was a big part of it. And I think that's a big part of why you're not seeing as many minorities playing the game right now is the cost. And I think kids are getting lost in the expense of hockey right now. And that's the unfortunate part. I think part of what the league's still working on, what still needs to be done is finding a way for all kids to be able to play the game. And I think you'll see more minorities. I think you'll see more kids in general play if we can find a way to get the cost back down. For when it comes to discrimination in the game, you know, we've seen that the Hockey Diversity Alliance come forward and a lot of people speak up, um, especially recently to, to try and spark change in that. I'm um, going back to you and your career. Uh, discrimination is something that, you know, sometimes publicly faced and publicly spoke out against. So as a professional athlete with a large platform, um, you know, for a lot of people, they could be worried about when they speak out kind of what the, the backlash that could have. But for you, how important was it and is it still for you to be able to speak out on racism uh, and inequality using your platform as a professional athlete, uh, really regardless of the negative effects that it could incur? Well, unfortunately, with social media comes negative responses. That's just the way it is. People think they're anonymous and all of a sudden they're a little more critical. 
But at the same time, you want to see society grow. You want to see the game grow. And as athletes, we have a platform where if we have an opinion, we can, that's all it is, is an opinion. I mean, we want to see the sport grow. We want to see society get better. So I think it's important for athletes to speak up and say their piece. There's a lot of work to be done. But again, as a, someone who's never experienced any kind of discrimination playing hockey growing up, at least, you know, from my point of view, it seems like things are getting better. There has been progress made. Uh, but what kind of changes have you seen from your playing days as early as growing up playing in Alberta to now when it comes to equality in the sport? Well, I think it's definitely changed since I started. I mean, I was fortunate enough after I finished playing to do a little bit of work with the diversity program that the National Hockey League created. And they're doing a great job of taking the game to kids who might not get that opportunity ever, where you're going to some of the less fortunate neighborhoods. You're exposing the game to kids that would never give, ever get that opportunity to play. So I think it's a good start, but I still think there's lots of work to do. I think the biggest thing is you've got to get rid of the stigma that it's a whites only sport. I think the greatest thing about hockey is anybody can play it and it's for everybody. And I think the league's getting better and better at promoting that. And when we continue to see more and more people speak out against racism and inequality, uh, you know, whether it's NHL players, other public figures coming forward to, to advocate for equality, uh, it's really huge for the, the awareness um, and really drives change. But where does it start for really everyone? So anyone involved in the game, uh, every player stepping on the ice, every parent, every coach, official, and so on, um, really anyone who's involved with the game, what's, what are the steps you know, that they can take to really just help drive change and be a part of that? I think it starts right from when you're a young kid. It's respect people around you. I mean, I was always taught by my parents that you respect everybody around you. Everybody's equal. It doesn't matter what you do in life, what you've accomplished in life. You treat everyone as an equal. And I think it starts there. And I think if the parents are respectful, the kids will see that. The kid makes responsible kids. And it's a trickle-down effect. So a lot of it starts at home, but a lot of it starts in society as well. Well, again, uh, we won't keep you any longer and uh, really appreciate you taking the time talking about this, sharing your experiences, and again, talking about uh, ways we can can drive change for equality in the sport. So uh, thank you again. You know, all the best as golf season rolls on and all the best to you and your family. That's my pleasure. Hopefully we'll get a chance to see you guys soon. Thank you again to Grant Fear for taking the time to speak with us. As he mentioned, uh, he's still down in Palm Springs, uh, has been pretty much for almost a year now. So it's a little tough knowing that he's probably going to wrap up the interview you and go outside golfing uh well i'm about to put on three pairs of gloves just to walk 30 seconds outside to my car so uh living two different lives him and i right now in all seriousness again a huge thank you to both Cass vilgrain and grant fear for taking the time to speak with us today for this episode it's so encouraging to not only get to continually hear and share the success stories of albertans uh, from all across the province you know I, I have the privilege of getting to talk to a lot of great people on this show and for the other things i do for Hockey Alberta, uh, but it's also from another angle. It's really incredibly important to hear the stories of adversity and the people that have overcome that adversity and, and address those uncomfortable topics and raise the awareness in order to make the game a better place for everyone involved. So it can be hard to hear for a lot of us and an uncomfortable subject, but it can be even harder to share those stories. It takes a lot of bravery and we all need to hear them. So again, in order to take a step forward, uh, you know, we really appreciate everyone taking the time in this case. Cass and Grant to share those stories with us. So with that, episode seven is in the books. Thank you once again for tuning into the Center Ice podcast. And since I forgot last time, a double shout out to producer Steve for all the hard work he does behind the scenes. I'm Ted Emmett and we'll see you next time. Stay warm and stay safe. 
Thank you for listening to the Center Ice Podcast. For this episode and more, head to hockeyalberta.ca. If there's a topic you'd like covered on an upcoming episode, email info at hockeyalberta.ca.